It's April 20th, 2007, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of the show. This week's guest is Peter Reed Miller. And Peter has, for the last 30 years, been a sports photographer. And for the last 20 of those years, it's been as a staff photographer for Sports Illustrated magazine. He has, uh, his images have been appeared on the cover over 100 times. And his images that have appeared in the magazine have covered every imaginable sport, uh, including seven Olympic Games, 30 Super Bowls, 14 NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals, the World Series, the Kentucky Derby. Um, any sport that you can imagine, Peter has turned his lens to. And the images that he's produced as a result are probably some of the best examples of sports photography for the last the last three decades. And um, it was a great opportunity to have a chance to interview him for, for the show because I think he brings a, a great insight into what it takes to become and be a great sports photographer. Uh, he's done a lot of editorial and advertising work for companies like Nike, Nike Coca-Cola, um, shot for People Magazine, Time, Life. So see, he's been around, and he, he's, he has a lot of experience underneath his belt. But I think he brings a nice, a nice insight into what it takes to make a good photograph, whether or not you're shooting sports. And uh, I can see why he's been recognized with numerous awards, including uh, recognition as being a Canon, Canon Explorer of Light and a Kingston Memory Icon of Photography. Uh, we'll have links for uh, him on our site as usual. But for right now, sit back and enjoy our conversation with Peter Reed Miller. Well, welcome, Peter, to the show. It's great to have you. Good to be here. Um, first off, I want to start off with with your beginnings as a as a sports photographer. Um, you, you you were shooting in high school, and when you were at uh, at uh, you at at USC, you were shooting for the newspaper there. Um, but uh, I had read that you had sort of an interest in, in in painting, but found that your skills were more better suited for photography. But how 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 do you think your your interest in painting has has impacted or influenced, if at all? Um, your your sports work. Well, I think that uh, the basic uh, the basic thing is that you see something, whether it's a sporting event or a beautiful scene or a beautiful person or a moment of light, and you want to record it. And some people are fortunate enough to be able to record it with paint or with a drawing or some way like that. Um, I'm really better, a lot better at recording it with a camera, and so that's that's. I think it's the seeing and seeing something that you want to pass on, uh, that you want to show everybody else that this moment happened and I saw it. It's just a matter of what uh, what te- technical device you use to uh, to do that. When you were when you were shooting at USC, you had your first opportunity to, to shoot for the uh, NFL, and you had a very interesting story about how you you sort of made that happen. Why don't, why don't you tell us about that? 
Well, I, I'd been uh, I'd been shooting uh, USC football through my uh, undergrad years there, and then even after I graduated, I was doing work for the athletic department, um, and that was big time football. But it was not the NFL, and I was constantly trying to get credentials to the Chargers or to the Rams or anybody I could, and really not getting anywhere. Um, until I attended an NFL game as a fan, and I sat in the stands, and I bought the program, which at that time was called Pro Magazine, and I realized that it was published in L.A., published by a part of the NFL uh, that was called NFL Creative Services, which is one of their uh, agencies, not unlike NFL Films was for film, they were for print. So I looked at the masthead, and I saw the name of the editor, and I, I basically... Uh, I sent him some material, I sent him a letter and some photos, and um, basically one day he called me up and he said, yeah, this is John Wiebush at NFL, and I like your work, and in fact, I've been attending USC games with my wife, who's still a student at USC, and I've seen your work in the game program, so yeah, I'd love to have you work for us. So it was one of those just you know, kind of jaw-dropping moments <laughs> when you say, somebody calls you up and says, yeah, come on, come on down. So, part of part of being a, a sports photographer is oftentimes you're you're learning from experience. There's only so much that a, a classroom or even a book can provide you. But uh, from from what I'm aware of in terms of other sports shooters, oftentimes you're you're learning from each other. Even though you're competitive with each other, you guys are often you know helping each other in, in terms of helping with you know information or technique or technology. Tell me about uh, how that helped you grow as as a photographer you start, as you started shooting more and more professional sports. Well, I think the one thing about sports photographers that makes us different than a lot of uh, a lot of photographers in other disciplines is we generally tend to work together in large groups. We all cover the same game or the same you know the same football game or baseball game. So. So you see, there aren't really any secrets there. You're all out there seeing how the other guys are shooting. And, uh, you know, whereas, uh, for example, wedding photographers are always, you know, on their own at the wedding, uh, or portrait guys are working in their studios or, or whatever. So so we have this, um, uh, this just, because we're working in the circumstances, a lot of information just gets transmitted by simply watching what the other guy's doing. Uh, we also end up sitting around a lot of the time <laughs> because generally people tend to get the games early to avoid traffic or they stay late to do their transmitting. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, time when when people just sit around and, and kind of shoot the breeze, and uh, a lot of information get, gets exchanged that way. Then, you know, when you when you're in a situation where you know how everyone else shoots and and you're you're on the field, oftentimes in, in similar locations, in terms of trying to bring your own to sort of distinct eye and take to an image. So you you know you got three or four photographers in your immediate space. You know how do you try to make your photograph different from what everyone else is doing, even though the fact you're standing at the same location, probably using the same equipment. Well, it's harder and harder, and that and and that's that's really an, an interesting point. I mean, you know, uh, three or four it could be thirty or forty photographers crammed into the corner of an end zone. And um, I know there was a uh, there was a play two years ago in the uh, USC UCLA game uh, in two thousand five at the Coliseum, where uh, Reggie Bush, uh, SC was on about the five yard line, and um, 
I kind of really thought they were going to run up the middle. But instead, Reggie Bush took took to the outside, and just as he got to the goal line, he hurdled uh, a UCLA defender and uh, scored the touchdown. And a lot of people had that shot. Uh, you know, just about you know everybody had some version of that shot. I, because I'd been expecting a run up the middle, was actually lying down on the field using the right angle finder, so my camera was on ground level. And as he swung out, I tried to follow him and was successful. And so my version of that shot is probably a little different just because since my camera was lower, his leap looks higher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just a particular example. Uh, but, you know, there, there's always something you can try and do. And, and I think that, you know, uh, shooting with a wider lens to show more of the, you know, the whole stadium and the feeling of the game, that, that's definitely something we've been doing a lot more of lately. Um, or going super tight, you know. I mean, you, you still have options. I think one of the interesting things about sports photography, there's a lot, there's a lot that's often talked about about capturing that that sort of peak moment. But in looking at your images, I I see that you you're also really good at being able to tell the story of an event. You know, you just it it's though you do have those standout single images. Oftentimes, when I see groupings of your photos, I see that you're not only getting the the dramatic, you know, peak moment, but you're also Focusing on the little details, like you know the the muddy glove of a, of a quarterback's hand or or something along those lines. How important is uh, are small moments like that in the telling of a of a sports story? Well, I think they're very important. And, and again, um, going back to the last point, you know, everybody's got the same gear, everybody's got the same technology, and so everybody's capable of producing very similar pictures, very high-quality pictures. So you have to bring a vision. You have to look for things that are just, you know, not in, in you know, they're off the beaten path, uh, just images where everybody's looking one way and you look the other way and you happen to see something, an expression on a player's face, a reaction to a play rather than the actual action, some moment on the bench, uh, some moment before the game when the players are coming out. I mean, all that stuff is really important because, um, you know, really we're we're competing against so many other good photographers now, and and we're competing against amazing television coverage now, especially when they've gone to high def. I mean, you know, it's just like there's there's almost nothing that goes on scene. So you really have to you really have to hunt for those moments. But I think it really makes a big difference. You've been shooting for for SI for, for about twenty years, and the whole the whole sort of zeitgeist of, of sports and their importance in our culture seems to have exploded not only with you know with television as you mentioned and and, and just a plethora of websites dedicated to, to sports imagery. But how has your work at SI um, sort of changed? Because one of the things you've already mentioned is the fact that you're you're competing with other photographers. But in terms of how the images are used and how they're seen in the pages of the magazine, how how have you seen that change, and how has that in, influenced your your way of shooting? Well, I think the main thing is when I started shooting at SI, we uh, we covered a game on Sunday, and and this was back in the film days, and we were pretty darn good at getting the magazine to most people by Wednesday, and that was the definitive story on the particular game we covered. Uh, but now, between the Sunday game and the Wednesday arrival of our magazine, there's been you know. 48 hours of nonstop television coverage 
uh, discussions on the web, on TV, everything. We are not reporting the games anymore. So we have had to shift to more of a mode of oftentimes reporting what is going to happen in a game. We do a lot of lead-up stories mm. where we'll shoot the teams uh, going into the big games and then put together something and say, okay, these are the matchups to watch for. This is what could happen. This is what might be interesting here. So we do a lot more of that. Um, we also try and focus a lot on the personalities of the players. So again, we're not, you know, not necessarily so timely, you know, because you can run a, a feature about uh, somebody uh, at any point during the season, and people will be interested. So, so it has changed. We're, we're really much less of a news magazine and more of a uh, just a, a magazine that covers sports in general. Mm. What was your first cover in SI? It was uh, Gus Williams playing for the Seattle Supersonics. Uh, 1977, the Sonics beat the Bullets in the NBA Finals. And ironically, I had known Gus uh, from USC, and uh, he used to shoot hoops with my girlfriend. And so it was kind of funny to uh, have that all come around. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was, that was a pretty exciting moment. How competitive is it among... Um this is, you know, the SI photographers, because I know from that typically, like for a Super Bowl, you're probably seeing anywhere between 1,500 to 2,000 um, images, just an individual photographer, but they may only run like maybe, you know, 15 or 20 images in that, in that issue. But, you know, you're not the only SI photographer at that particular game, most likely. So how, how is it in terms of, you know, competition and, and, and your whole experience in terms of, you know, getting getting your images into the magazine, if not the cover. Well, there's definitely competition. I, I will say this: in, in uh, for most of the early years at SI, we were all, uh, or most of us, were independent contractors. Uh, in 1997, we went on staff, so that changed things to a great extent because it it took the financial element out of the competition. In other words, we we get paid a salary, and we get paid that salary whether we get our pictures in or not. But we're all proud of our work. We all have egos. We all want to have all the pictures all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it, it's, it's not such a, uh, you know, essential thing. And, and oftentimes I think now we're really happy just to see that photographers from SI got the pictures rather than something being picked up from an agency or from another newspaper or something, when, 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 which happens from time to time. So, so there's still competition, but for example, in the Super Bowl, we're all pretty much signed areas. And, um, you know, you can only get what happens in your areas. Um, I, was, I had the end zone where the uh, Bears ran that first play back for a touchdown, and I was like, came right at me, and I was like, "Go Bears!" <laughs> and then they never did another thing. <laughs> no, they didn't. The Bears didn't do much, and nothing much else happened in my quadrant for the rest of the game. And I did end up getting a, 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 the opener of the story on the Baltimore touchdown, or the pardon me, the Indianapolis touchdown. But, um, basically, uh, yeah, we're competitive, but no, we're not. It's not cutthroat competition. Yeah. One of the things about any good photograph is the importance of of the of what's in the background, not so much the the main subject. Um, tell me about you know the challenges in terms of uh, composing a shot with with that with that in mind, and you know how important is 
knowing the lighting, say, in a, in a, in a stadium or, or, or being familiar with a stadium or, or, or field is in, in terms of making the most of the entire frame? Well, I think it's tremendously important. And, and every uh, every stadium is different in some way or another. And, and there are going to be areas where, um, you know, where you're going to get some amazing light and there are areas where you're really going to be, you know, up against it and, and, and it's, and it's going to be a dark corner or or, uh, you know, some area where it's just too, too backlit. Um, but, if you, you know, you, you find your little spots. You find your spot where maybe the, the sun comes in right at uh, right before the field goes dark and there's just a wedge of light. Um, that was the case in, in, um, in Denver in the old Mile High Stadium, especially around January during the playoffs. The sun would be very low, and it would come in that corner between the south stands and the rest of the stadium, and um, I got a cover out of the playoffs one year where John Elway just rolled out right into this this shaft of light. I mean, the behind him is dark, but the light is just right in his face. And I was just watching, you know, it's like, come on, John, one more step, one more step, you know, and it it, it happened to work out. So those those are the kind of things that yeah, you you have to know about, you have to look for. But that being said, you can. Uh, you can sit there and watch them for the whole time, and nothing will happen there. Yeah. So you know you got to you got to strike a balance. And sometimes you you, you take I, I want to say risk, but I don't know if that's the right term for it. But you know you have images where you're using a fairly slow shutter speed, and you're following uh-huh. maybe a running back, um, uh-huh. you know, moving. And in terms of making those choices, because sometimes you may only have one opportunity to get like a, a key move and sometimes it's you know play it safe go with a fast shutter speed to freeze the action but other times you may want to make a more creative choice but considering you know what's at stake in terms of being able to get that key moment which may be maybe the maybe the biggest moment of the game how do you sort of drive your your urge to sort of you know, make that definitive document of a moment, as well as trying to take a, a few creative risks to make something um, a little more interesting. Well, I think you've got to look at the the overall situation. You've got to think about, uh, let's say we're talking about a running back. Well, do I have some good stuff on him already? Do I have a few things in the can that I know are good, just regular action pictures? Uh, have we just run a bunch of big running back story? So our editors are not going to want to look at a bunch more running backs running right at them. They may want to look for something different. I mean, you know, you have to look at it in the context of the game. And, and then the, the thing is, what are you covering in the game? Are you covering this running back? Are you covering the line that's blocking for him? Are you covering the other team? And you just just kind of do what you want when when uh, when these guys have the ball. I mean, you know, it, it, it's the context of the game and the context of the story and, and the context of, of what's been in the magazine. Hmm. One of the other things that you you've done a lot of is you do these portraits of these of these sports figures, and uh-huh. uh, it's it's almost a completely different ball game, uh, no pun intended, in terms of the creating these sort of images because it's a more of a one-on-one collaboration. But how do you feel that your familiarity with with their work on the field? And um, your own experience as a sports photographer capturing key moments has helped you in in creating these these portraits of these subjects. 
Well, I think it's a big help. I mean, I'm not saying that someone can come. You know, there's some great portrait photographers in, in, in this in this business who have never shot a sporting game in their life, but they've made some beautiful pictures of athletes. Um, but I think, by and large, it helps to have a feel for what they're doing, what they're going through, you know, how their team is, is playing, what's particularly happening with them. I mean, I shot LaDainian Tomlinson for our cover at the end of the year last year, and it was the day after he'd broken the single-season rushing record. And it was great because I'd been there at the game. I'd shot. He came in. He was. He couldn't have been happier. It's like we all had shared this experience. And I think I got a lot more out of him than someone who just, you know, hadn't been in the game, didn't really understand the significance of what he'd done, and really wasn't sharing it with him. So, so in those cases, I, I, I think it's. I think I think it's a big help. Um, you know. There are times, though, when you when you get players who, you know, have no interest in talking about their playing, but really want to just talk about, you know, something completely different, fishing or jet skiing or where they grew up or whatever. So you, you kind of got to be prepared to find that that connection, to find that rapport that's going to put your subject at ease, regardless of what it is. And in terms of conceiving some of these images, because I've, I've known you for a series that you did in which the uh, athlete was painted gold. You have that famous one of Reggie Bush that, that was on the cover of Sports Illustrated a while back. But you also did a, some series with the sort of Olympians. Tell me about the, the sort of the how that idea came about and what were some of the challenges in, in, in pulling it off? Well, we we came up with that idea the year I guess in in uh, in early '99, and um, the first person we painted was uh, was Maurice Green, and um, uh, you know it, it was kind of I actually hired a professional makeup artist to do it, but what we realized is um, uh, another friend of mine, uh, a woman friend of mine who had just been assisting, you know, who was pretty talented with makeup, said, you know, I can do this for you. I can take care of this. So so we switched, and I didn't, I wasn't no longer hiring these $750 a day professional makeup artists, so I had the, I had a little team assembled, and they're the same team that to this day is, has done all that painting, and, um, you know, it, 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 the hard part is getting it all done. I mean, once they once they're gold and they step onto the set, it's very easy to shoot them. I mean, they look amazing. They're easy to light. They're they're very. Most people are very taken with the fact of how they look, and so it shows in their poses. But but one of the one of the tough things is that each person we shot has, you know, not only do we paint their skin, but we paint their uniform, and in some cases their bat or their bicycle or whatever whatever they use and all those all those uh implements and and items of clothing are made of different materials so the real challenge for my my stylist who was named Perry Veganus the real challenge for her was to figure out how you know, I mean, painting the people was always pretty straightforward. But figuring out how to get this material shorts or that type of shoe, or I know we had a softball player and we took the bat actually to a guy who did, who did car painting, and he he like painted it and baked it. Mm-hmm. So so that was that that was a kind of challenge to it all. Um, you know, as I said, when we had them all done up, that was pretty easy. Yeah. I'm curious to see. What your workflow is in terms of now that you you're shooting digital, um, of course there's the immediacy of the image on that you see on the, on the back of the LCD or on the computer monitor, 
But in terms of turnaround, because before when you were shooting film, you had to ship the film and get it processed. And but now you have the ability to edit your your images, you know, right there. Um, but what's your workflow in terms of you know downloading the images, editing them, transmitting them, and and all that, particularly at a big event like the the Super Bowl? Well, the Super Bowl is a little different because we bring out staff um, editors and um, and our you know our digital people, and we basically they run the whole, they put the servers right there, and they do the whole thing. Um, we're in a period of transition, uh, and up up till this point, most of our material is still either in the form of cards or DVDs is still shipped to New York, and then they do the editing and all the uh, imaging work in New York. So honestly, I still have it pretty easy in terms of I don't have to sit in that, um, in that photo room after the game and crank through a whole bunch of uh, images and get them transmitted out. We're, we're not really. We will be doing that within the next few months. Okay. Uh, but at this point, it's just it's still kind of uh, kind of the old-fashioned way because we just. Uh, because of our weekly status and our, our not needing that much speed, I mean, obviously we want to do things as fast as possible, but we don't need the the overnight transmission. We also shoot JPEG plus RAW, so we shoot a lot of data. Mm. A football game can be, you know, 12, 15 uh, gigabytes. So that's a, that's a lot to transmit. Um, and also our editors really want to see everything that we shot because even though... The story may be on uh, Peyton Manning. There may end up, an editor may walk down the hall on Monday morning and say, well, what about that wide receiver? We have anything on him? Yeah. And, and, and they don't want me to have been out there and sent them 200 Peyton Manning pictures and nothing else, you know. So, so the, the deal is basically we're shooting big, big amounts of data, and really still the easiest way to move that is, you know, by air right. on the cards. Um, but as I said, we're, we're going to change that soon. And you're typically not using, you know, these 8 or even 12 gigabyte cards. I think you're using fairly smaller capacity cards. Is that right? And, and why? Uh, I like 2 gigabytes, yeah. They're big enough to, uh, you know, you don't have to change them all the time. But if you drop one or something happens, uh, you know, it's like how many eggs do you want in that one basket, you know. Um, as the files continue to get bigger, I'm sure we'll be moving up. But uh, at this point, that's pretty much the standard. Yeah. Watching the Super Bowl uh, this past year, um, the weather was less than favorable for, yeah. for, for football, you know, for football, or particularly for photography. And that's one of the things I was I was thinking about. You've been shooting, you know, uh, the Super Bowl since I think Super Bowl nine, but this weather was pretty harsh. What did you have to contend with um, that was different from, you know, the usual sports events that you've covered before? Well, I'm going to say this. It, it, it could have been worse because it wasn't cold, and that's the only thing that really, really saved us. Um, if it had been 10 degrees colder, uh, it would have been miserable. Yeah, it, not that it wasn't miserable. And in a little bit of lack of preparation, I hadn't really brought a whole lot of rain gear. It just uh, just kind of didn't get put in the bag. So we were fortunate that uh, the Canon cameras had passed out some very nice long lens rain rain covers the day before at their brunch. So the long lenses were good. They were covered pretty well. Um, 
I was not really covered. I just kind of got wet, um, as did my assistant. And um, the cameras around my neck, which I usually have at least one camera around my neck for the with a wide angle for that kind of last moment when they're coming at you. Mm-hmm. One of those finally uh, finally gave up the ghost in the third quarter, just because it, you know th- there's really no way to cover those cameras and still have them very accessible. Yeah. So, uh, but out of the five cameras I used, that only one failed me, and as I said, that was really only in the in the third quarter. So, you know, it was miserable. Uh, you know, the the worst part was having to go in during halftime to dry out, and missing missing prints. But you know, it was uh, it was miserable, but we survived it. <laughs> Well, the way I end uh, each each show is by asking uh, the photographer I'm interviewing to recommend or suggest another photographer for people uh, to go and check out. So uh, who would that be for you and why? Uh, I'll tell you, I think one of my, my favorite uh, people whose work is my favorite is Michael Zagaris, Z-A-G-A-R-I-S. He has uh, he started shooting rock and roll in the 70s, and then he has been the 49ers team photographer for a good 20 years, and also the Oakland A's team photographer. And he does marvelous behind-the-scenes stuff. He is a guy who is completely at ease with the athletes, and they're completely at ease with him. He has full locker room access. And over the years, he's made some amazing images, both football, baseball, and, and back in the days in the music business. So I would definitely recommend anybody to seek out his work. Oh, well, great. That sounds like a great recommendation. Well, thank you, Peter. It's been great to have you on the show and uh, having a chance to talk with you. Great. You, you, you met. It was a very nice interview. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening. If you have any comments or suggestions, email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com or leave a message at the blog at thecandidframe.com. Till next time, this is Ivarian X. Perello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com photocastnetwork.com